2: I mean, this is a sport that's on the precipice of irrelevance.
3: The games are taking over three and a half hours. Playoff games are taking over four hours. Games too long, too slow. Who cares? This is a situation where baseball
2: is in trouble to begin with.
3: The MLB is officially dead.
2: Baseball is dead. Rest in peace. We're like, uh, I don't know. I mean, spring training's here. We're I'm less than a week. Away from going a flow to flow Dallas. You're going to Arizona when?
3: Today? Uh yeah, I'm actually going to Arizona today, but okay. uh I'm just in and out. I'll be in Arizona for less than eight hours, honestly. I'll be there. Wait, what's what's the mission? Uh some stuff to do for NBC at the uh, at the ballpark there. Yeah. And then I just uh, did I'll a, come home uh, for two days uh-huh. and then back on a bird, back out to AZ. For the next two weeks, mm. I, uh, I, I just
2: did a hit earlier for DraftKings. I, I went on the sweat and we were talking about, we were breaking down the AL West, the odds. Mm. And let me tell you something, Dallas, those the, Oakland A's, baby, they're bet. only plus 20,000. The DraftKings Sportsbook, you can get them at 20000 right now. You head on over and place your bets for the Oakland A's to win the American League West this year. I wanted to get your expert opinion on it.
3: Uh, I, 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 I brought this up. If you remember, I brought this up last podcast. Uh-huh. I talked about the value there was there. That <laughs> was there.
4: And why are you shaking your head, Jay? Why are you shaking your head? I mean it's it's a good value way to light your money on fire for sure.
3: <laughs> Look, depending on what you are willing to part ways with and what you feel could be, you know, could be a Hail Mary, might not be the same to somebody else. That's all I'm saying. So all let's, 20, play, let's play a game. Is it all twenty thousand?
1: Right. Sorry. It's
3: plus twenty
2: thousand. I want to play a game. It's called Dallas. Reads players on the Oakland A's roster. How how long does it take before we get to a guy we've never heard of before?
4: Oh boy! <laughs> I mean, it could be the first name depending on where he starts.
2: I mean, if he goes, if he starts with Ramon Laureano, that's okay. great. All right, after yeah. Ramon, we're taking stop, Ramon stop, Laureano. Stop! Stop, stop okay. saying the names. Stop right. saying the names. That's Ramon and- Laureano. I'm taking him off the board. All right, do uh, <laughs> just read names and we will respond with have we heard of this guy before go ahead
3: um all right let me go through the
4: uh tony kim yeah yes for sure of course of course jesus aguilar yep oh yeah of course i I forgot that Yep.
3: that's right jj (laughs) Blade. came over in the puck trade (laughs) (laughs) wait you don't know who JJ Bleday is? It's JJ Bleday Day, baby.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the yeah, fact the that we
4: Bleday arrived dog. at him so quickly is pretty disconcerting. I think, but <laughs> well, no, no.
3: I'm just, I'm just thinking. I mean, these are these are new additions, so these are guys mm-hmm. that yeah. are,
4: you yeah, know, that's fair. I don't want yeah,
3: maybe sure. a little fresher in my head that I'm thinking yep. about. Yep. Uh, what about the kid that's going to be Roman center field?
5: Yeah, yeah Estuary
4: Ruiz. <laughs> Oh, from the, from the Padres, <laughs> no Padres, Padres. I know. I'm still Thank riding. You, J. Hay. He stole like a thousand bags in 14 games in the minors last year.
3: Yeah, I mean, you want to go? You want to go through? I mean, we can just run through the pitching staff, right? Yeah. Oh, Polly out. Paul Blackburn, boom.
2: Yeah, all star, all star.
3: That's right. Punch but Polly Punchout. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Jay J. doesn't Jay doesn't know him as <laughs> Polly Punchout. <laughs> that's good hey put some fucking respect on that name jay i don't want to hear you fucking giggling over there oh yeah. man what else you got it's fucking Polly punch up uh cap i said cap james caprillion yep. uh g- give me the southpaw Waldy. fuck ken Chuck bucket you know who that is who <laughs> ken waldichuk <laughs> former trade. former yankee prospect current oakland ah that's right um mm-hmm. Uh, Shintaro, everybody knows and loves Shintaro. Yeah. <laughs> Why? No, that's that guy plays. Does he that's just have, have one
2: name? Is that his first name or his last
3: name? That's his first name. Shintaro, so,
1: what? What's oh, his last name?
3: Uh, Food fu, fu, Fujinami, fu Fujinami, Final <laughs> <after>. Fujinami. Final answer. Fujinami. That's, all that's that fucking one. tricky. There's an mm-hmm. and a J in there. I mean, right. it's difficult. Get off me. I, I feel like that's right. Mm hmm. Was I right? Anyway, doesn't matter. It's still spring training. Sure. Uh, let's go down to the bullpen. <laughs>
2: yeah, let's go down oh, to God. the bullpen.
3: Uh, Zach Jackson, disappearing slider. You know him. You love him. <clears throat> no idea that is. Uh, no, Adam Aller, swing guy, could be in the rotation. Who? Could be in the bullpen. You, I, Adam, you, you know Adam his name. I said it once. It's all you need. I'm not playing this game anymore. I'm done. I think you yeah. lost. I think you lost. No. It was a great exercise, though. Shayland Let's
4: be I think we've arrived at the part of the roster where it's best not to play the game anymore.
3: <laughs> no, Nikki Knox. <laughs> Nicky Knox, I can go back offense. What do you want? What, what else you need? Is that a nickname or
2: Nikki is his last Knox? name? It, is it K N O X or is that his nickname K N O C K S? <laughs> Legitimately
4: never heard of Nicky Knox. That's <laughs>
3: hey, that's my he's got he's a he's a dual wielding nicknamer. He like yeah, when he's it. on when he when he's at the but dish. he's a
2: pitcher, it doesn't make sense.
3: No, no, timeout guy. He's a shortstop, first of all.
2: Oh, he's a shortstop. Well, you said, let's go down in the bullpen. Then you said, Nicky Knox.
3: No, I said, oh. I said we can get out of the bullpen. I, and oh. I sort of went back to the offense. Okay. I went Langoliers. Got it, got it. And then mm-hmm. I dropped a Nicky Knox on you. You said, got who's it, that? I said, that's Nick Allen. But that's Nicky Knox at the dish. If
4: he's in the right. field making oh. sick plays like you're going to watch oh. him make this <laughs> year, mm-hmm. it's
3: Nicky Pickett. Nicky Pickett. Uh, I thought his Nicky. actual
4: name was Nicky Knox. Yeah, I know that's too. how
3: fucking good it
4: sounds coming off the tongue, yeah. Jay. It's no, like that's the, how, it was like yeah. it was given to him by <laughs> the baseball gods. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, his real name doesn't make it any clearer who he is. I don't. I've never heard of that person. Nick <laughs> Allen. Like, hey, but when you hear Nicky Knox, you're gonna know
3: who we're talking about. When you hear Nicky mm-hmm. Pickett, you're gonna you know who that sure. is. <clears <clears yeah, Nicky Knox, it's
4: not- Nicky Pickett. That's right.
2: Nicky Pickett, when, I, when, when we're tuning into those Oakland A's games on the West Coast, we're up late. It's going to be 1130 at night. Now we know who Nicky Pickett is.
3: That's right. Hey, put it like this. Nicky Pickett's going to be on full display opening night because mm-hmm. oddly enough, the Oakland A's play on opening night, a yeah. opening night game. So Against who? Uh, so The Angels. So your guys' games are going to be done, and you're going to have baseball <clears throat> for dinner. And it's gonna be Alphabet Soup, baby. That A's. What's Nikki Hot
2: slash Nikki Pickett's real name? Nick Allen. Nick Allen. <clears throat> okay. All right. That was over the line. That's just <laughs> really? that was
3: completely unnecessary.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but you know what is completely necessary? Sitting down with a blue moon while you're watching that Angels A's game on opening night.
4: You bet your sweet ass! I'll have yeah. one of. My, wait,
3: no, I won't.
2: Is that not? Is that that's not a Sunday night baseball game? Is it Sunday?
4: All games are on the. Everybody's opening on the same day, Thursday this year. First time.
2: Ooh. Okay. Spring training's here which means that baseball is finally back. Blue Moon gives you a dose of ballpark nostalgia to get you excited for the baseball season. In fact, Blue Moon was born in a ballpark at the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. Its bold flavor, bright explosion of color, and iconic orange slice ritual guarantees a -a one-of-a-kind beer experience, perfect for spring weather. We'll be down in Arizona in a couple of weeks. I'll be down in Florida next week. be broadcasting live from Fort Myers uh, and I'll be drinking some Blue Moons while I'm while I'm down there in both spring training locations uh, from its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale is a one of a kind beer that's made brighter it's carefully crafted and full flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth creamy finish Ooh. why strike out with the same old beer where you can get something that's one of a kind best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful hazy color a beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon but you can enjoy it all season long bring the ballpark to you for spring training blue moon belgian style wheat ale is a one-of-a-kind beer every time Get Blue Moon delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeard.com slash rocket to see your delivery options. That is get.bluemoonbeard.com slash rocket. Blue Moon made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden Colorado Ale.
3: Moon me, Jake. Mm.
2: Uh, We mentioned this team very, very, very briefly. Uh, The Angels. The A's. The A's. A's. You want to talk about
3: the A's? I had no No. idea you were so (laughs) A's heavy today.
2: Yeah, we got a lot of A's on the docket, but uh, we mentioned the Angels here, and uh, it was just this past week. Sho- Shohei Otani is, and this is going to be the story of the year, not just the story of spring training. It's going to be the story of the year in regards to baseball. Bob Nightingale had this quote uh, back on the sixteenth. We, you know, we're we're not at two episodes a week yet. Uh, we will be once the season resumes. But Shohei Otani quote: "Right now, I'm an angel." That's all I'm <laughs> focusing on Not good, not good what? Dallas <laughs> well, if I you mean, start what? if you start by saying right now, I'm an angel, that means uh I'm not going to be an angel for much longer. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not it's not uh looking good for the angels, and I made this prediction. On the sweat, they asked me for a hot take. They said, what's your AL West hot take? And I was like, I bet you think that I'm going with something Astros related. Maybe something Jacob deGrom related. But that's not at all what my hot take is. My AL West hot take was, and I'm paraphrasing myself, I said, the Angels, and I'm sorry to Max, will once again be mediocre. They will be. They just will. They will not trade Shohei Otani because they want to still have a chance to retain him in free agency, which they won't. So they will lose Shohei. They won't get anything for him at the deadline. And because of all this, this offseason, we'll start the rumors and reports that Mike Trout wants out. <sighs> if Shohei walks and they don't even get anything for him at the deadline, which would be very angels to have happen,
3: well,
2: uh, this not- winter... Next offseason, we're going to start hearing the Mike Trout wants out stuff.
3: I don't think that's necessary. I don't think that's an aggressive take at all. Um, well, I mean, he's
2: been through a, a decade of right. like, mediocrity what- and missing the playoffs and he's never said a, a peep about get me the fuck out of
3: here. No, and but but I'll say this too. How old is Mike Trout now? 33. So, I'm I'm going to say this and I know initially there he's might be 31. some shock. There might be. He's he's how old? Thirty one. Okay. So, do we feel like the best August. seven year window of Mike Trout's career is ahead of him? I think he's in it. Would you mm. say he's towards the end of it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. But but I mean, at thirty one. Well, and look, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that the dude can't continue to just be yeah. fucking ridiculous yeah, for the next I, seven I I'm not saying that at all. What we're talking about is the likelihood and the longevity of a career, especially a superstar, performing at the level that he has for as long as he has. So for him at this stage in his career, to be the guy that he's been this entire time, take one on the chin, be the guy for the halos that you can build around already if you And the crew can figure things out and get us all pointed in the right direction. I'm here. The most stable piece of fucking foundation you need. I'm here. And now, like I've said this, he's had a decade to watch how they're going to support him and how they're going to build around him play out. And he's still just kind of, you know, stuck with it he's hung in there stand by our man mike there's a dozen years in the big leagues i know and now he's going to watch them handle shohei otani and he's got to be thinking and i'm not saying he's got to be he knows he's looking at this going all right i'm the fucking dude here in the league the next dude here in the league is that guy right there and however they treat him and however they handle what the future looks like with him That says it all for me. And if it has Shohei Otani leaving, there's no reason Mike Trout would want to spend 10 more minutes in Anaheim unless it was just a, I'm staying here, keeping my head down, signed a deal, blah, 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 blah. That might be the cloth that he's cut from ultimately. We won't know that though until that day comes. But I don't think that that's crazy at all because recently we've heard Mike Trout become more vocal about things where in the past he wouldn't. He chimed in on the Astros stuff. He's talked about wanting to get to the postseason more and more, where in years past it was just a pretty obvious thing that we were all talking about for him. Now he's starting to take up for himself and say some things publicly. And that right there was all the messaging anybody who's been paying attention to this situation for any period of time needed was watching him start to become open And verbally communicating the desire to win, whereas before it was just everybody going, when are they going to build around Trout? When are we going to see Trout in the postseason? Blah, 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 blah. So how they handle Shohei, Mike Trout is absolutely going to either hunker down or he's going to say, look, man, I'm trying to win.
1: Well, I will say if you're an Angels fan, would you be and you lose Shohei? Would you be devastated if they trade Mike Trout? Or would you maybe think that's smart?
2: Well, that, I don't think the Angels are interested in making baseball decisions. I think that they're <laughs>
1: interested in making like attraction decisions. And if believe- you're a fan, that's what I'm saying. If you're a fan, mm-hmm. and you see what Mike Trout has gotten you, obviously he's the greatest player of the generation, but no playoffs. Would you be that opposed to just trading him and being like, "What it, you know? We tried it." I don't know. I mean, if you're an Angels
2: fan, you got to be sitting there thinking like we. Had not just one, but both of the best players of this generation on the same team. And it didn't do anything like we well, couldn't build around them. So What, what makes you're you in think a, what you're in a, that if you, you trade Mike crowd, that you're going to use those pieces to then rebuild and get to a point where you can actually have a playoff team.
3: What, what you're in danger of is now losing both of these guys because of how essentially they've both or they've failed to build around both. That's what's going to happen. Mike Trout's going to watch Shohei Ohtani walk, and then Mike Trout's going to walk. And Angels fans are going to think, "Well, if they let Ohtani walk, at least we'll have Trout." Well, that might be the exit ticket for Mike Trout.
4: I also wonder, like, if you get to the point where Mike Trout really does want out. Obviously, he's under contract, right, and all that. But like, <clears throat> you know, the question of is it worth it to trade Mike Trout at that point and kind of retool? I-, I wonder. I I, I would be very surprised if the return on Mike Trout was equal to what Angels fans would expect the return on Mike Trout to be given the amount of money owed to him and like the age I'll say his age but just because I I mean he had 40 homers in under 120 games last year the guy can still ball out but like he's on the uh, this is not Juan Soto being traded right this is not this this is a guy on the other side of 30 like I, I do think the market would probably be limited to what four or five teams once we really really got down to it um who were in a position to absorb i don't i don't have it offhand but 300 even million even some of dollars. the teams
2: that you would imagine maybe they don't have the payroll flexibility or the desire to add a guy who's yeah. On like the they get a of lot stuff. Like of stuff like
4: they would the organization would be there would be an influx of talent but i just i'd be very surprised if it was worth I just think I think that ship sailed. Honestly, if you were in the Mike Trout well, trade, the- Mike Trout to retool thing like that, that was years ago. I think that was probably before the extension was signed. And I wouldn't have done it then either. But but, but, but that package, Jay, you know, th-
3: that package brings you four years ago, five years. That package brings you a big league ready, probably two big league ready, yeah. big league players as well. The game's
4: completely as- changed four or five years ago, for sure.
3: As premium pros as well as premium prospects, so you've got two guys that you could probably plug into your roster today, as well as prospects four or five years ago. Now that's just not the case. Now you might get some high end some high end pieces, but still no guarantee on on what that projection looks like. It's just a completely different ball game now because of where he's at age wise, and to your point, the money owed and the market. The the market I I feel like naturally limits itself when all of those stars start to line up, meaning what the money is owed, the age, prospect, price tag. Yeah. I mean, we talk about it all
4: the time on this podcast. We see it on people talking about it on Twitter. Like, there are only a certain number of franchises who are playing in that particular end of the pool at any given time. And like it doesn't it really doesn't matter how great the player is, because there are some teams When we're talking about an investment of two hundred and fifty or three hundred or three hundred and fifty million dollars, are just not going to do that. Like the Cleveland Guardians are never going to do that, and it doesn't matter whether the player was like the new version of Barry Barry Bonds. You know, Um, it's a non-starter to before it even begins. So, interesting theoretical.
1: (laughs) That sucks for Mike Trout he's got the death sentence bro yeah you're he's too good. sentenced to death but he chose
2: it he chose <laughs> it he chose it twice so i like we've had that conversation before where it's very hard to feel bad for mike trout no uh given that he chose this set of circumstances and he was not new to the organization what they were about what they were able to do what the track record was uh and <clears throat> again i think it's it's an odd dynamic where we as baseball fans are are like forcing him out the door, like go to a team that goes to the playoffs and have a chance at being in the post. What if he genuinely doesn't care about that? Like he signed the, an extension that says, I'm going to retire with the Angels. What if he just wants to live out there? He's got his house there. He has his life there. He has his family there. He has his roots there. And he just wants to play out the string and just be the best player of this generation there you go in, in a in a place where he's comfortable what if that's what he wants well there, there's
3: like- he's there's nothing wrong with that first of all, and that's just the desire of the baseball community to have this kind of an impact player be a part of the game's biggest stage and I think it's because there's also this parallel conversation about growing the game and how is how do we do that i mean you know there's already there's people making fun of. Jacob deGrom and the back to school photo that he took, you know, and <laughs> how unmarketable all of his answers are. And you know what? There's just some people who just, well, they don't care. They don't care. Like the world puts these guys in a spot where shouldn't they be wanting to do more? Should not they want to capitalize? Shouldn't they want to? And a lot of the times in the baseball world, the answer no. Like you want to know what a lot of these dudes want to do. They don't give a shit about a Twitter account. They don't give a shit about an Instagram account. They want to buy land. They want to shoot guns. They want to do whatever the fuck they want. And they don't give a shit what you think about that or anything. They don't care. They don't care. And then there's other guys who want to shoot guns and they want three camera guys on it, watching their bird dog go out and fucking retrieve the the, the greenheads They just blasted, right? Like uh, elk, like they're just, there's different types of dudes. There's different types of ways to grow it. And when you're the greatest player in the game, fans gravitate towards having you on the game's biggest stage. And when that doesn't happen, naturally you yearn for that. But that doesn't mean that guy is going, fuck man, me too. You know, he might be, hey, we'll get him next year.
2: I have, a, I have a genuine question for all of you guys. Do you even remember Mike Trout in the postseason? No. No. Do you remember, like, off, without looking, do you know what year it was? 15, uh,
5: 12, maybe? <laughs> nope.
2: Nope. 14. 14. Yeah. It was 2014. He got 15 plate appearances and hit 083. Hey, and maybe that's I, why. I mean, I've watched every second of playoff baseball since. The late '90s, all of it. I don't remember Mike Trout in the playoffs. Like I don't remember it. And obviously there weren't any memories. It's not like oh, how do you forget that walk off home run that he had? Like I don't even remember who the Angels played. I don't remember Mike Trout coming to the plate. And it was still early enough in his career. <clears throat> uh, he got called up in what eleven. He got called up in eleven, so it was his fourth year in the big leagues. So obviously there wasn't the 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 legend of Mike Trout wasn't as established. Had he had an MVP by that point? Yes. Yeah. Yes. He won, he won his first that year. Uh, so he hadn't yet won an MVP, but he did have an MVP season that year. And that was uh preceded by two back to back runner runners up. Um, so I mean, you knew he was really good, but there wasn't this clamoring of like finally, like Mike Trout's in the playoffs, uh, that that obviously exists now. I'd love to see it. But it's kind of, is this a weird take? It's kind of difficult to want it that badly when I can't tell that he wants it as bad as I want it for him.
4: I I also wonder, sorry, go ahead, Doss. No, no it, Jay, I was just agreeing. I, I, I also wonder like how, how we'll look back on this stuff once his career is over. Like It, it does feel right now like it matters a lot that he hasn't had... A, a lot of postseason, or basically no postseason exposure, is an all time great. But, like, you know, Ted Williams got 30 career plate appearances in the postseason. And I realize it was a different era in the postseason. The threshold to make the postseason was, but I don't feel like you really hear when people talk about Ted Williams' legacy, you don't hear people bring up, well, the guy never got it done in the postseason, or the guy really wasn't the postseason hero. It's just sort of like he's like maybe the greatest pure hitter of all time. And, one of the greatest offensive players in baseball history. So I don't, maybe it maybe it will be one of the first things brought up about, about Mike Trout, but I wonder about that sometimes.
2: <clears throat> I think it's also what about the money factor? Like when you when you talk about legacy, championships and stuff like that. Well, like Ted Williams gave money back to the Red Sox. He was not like only,
3: time out, uh, not only that, but Ted Williams also Fought a, war. Is a Two fucking wars. war hero <laughs> yeah. and a goddamn patriot and yeah. a fucking quality American and yeah. shall be remembered and revered as such because yeah, he's, there's he's a reason what, they call it it a great generation.
2: I think he's, uh, he's in like three or four different Hall of Fame. Baseball, saltwater, freshwater for fishing and then I think he's so, in like... So I can, a, yeah, a I can overlook the of lack of a
4: fucking World Series. World Series championship. Yeah, the reason that people overlook the lack of a World Series is not because he fought in a war. Like, ah! let's, let's separate those two things. <laughs> it's not like
2: the Red Sox were like, damn, man. Yeah, the he didn't we miss this great Red Sox years. run while right. he was in the war. But, I mean, they got there in 46 and lost to the Cardinals. So, like, he got to the World Series. He yeah, was he injured. 30 I think he got, like, like, hit in the elbow and, like, broke a fucking bone, but he still played. But that's what I'm
4: saying. They also went directly to the World Series at that point. So, it's, like, yeah. it's a little bit different, and fewer teams made the postseason and all that. But, like... I don't know. I just, maybe maybe again maybe Mike Trout's legacy will heavily feature. W- was a po- was postseason irrelevant? Never made the postseason. Never made an impact. But I, I tend to think that when we look back twenty years after he's retired, it'll the vast majority of the conversation will be about be about the greatness of his career. In yeah. part because baseball regular season statistics. Are such a large part of the fabric of a player's legacy and how we remember them and the history of the game, and his will be unimpeachable uh, yeah. at
2: that. But well, Griff, Griffey never got there. Barry was right. another
3: there guy once who really didn't lost. have much pussy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. I think also with the Trout situation, because you've got Otani that has come over and been a part of Trout's legacy now, and I mean they're they're a part of each other's legacy, right? I, I don't think that goes. That doesn't need to be said. We understand that but there's also this other, other <clears throat> little ingredient here where the team was shopped around and was going to be sold. So the narrative of not being able to build around the superstar trout is because of ownership. And they even thought about selling at one point in time. And then then old Artie came, came out of left. It was like, not, not, not happening. I ain't selling fucking nothing. And And then this year, this year will really, really start to to color in the the picture of of the Trout legacy because of what we were just talking about. What's going to happen with Otani? Because from here, it, it, the narrative goes one or two ways. Right? They let Otani walk, and then after that, Trout was vocal about wanting to get out. Or it's they let Otani walk, and Trout was fine with it. Trout finished his career in Angel, and it is what it is. And now we talk about. The ownership showing up and selling, not selling. Otani was here. They couldn't keep him. And Trout didn't really kick like that. That's all waiting to unfold. I think, well,
1: let's say this. If Ted Williams, halfway through his career, uh, got Jackie Robinson on his team, had the other best player in the league and still didn't make the playoffs. Don't you think people would say that more like he had people around him and still couldn't do
4: it? I certainly think it would bring a greater spotlight to it, for sure. It's not um, like he
2: didn't have support. I mean, like he had Dom DiMaggio. He didn't have the, the, the best DiMaggio, but he had a really good DiMaggio the on second his best. team. Yeah, he had the second, <laughs> second best DiMaggio best. on his team. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah they, 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 those, they got to the World Series. Um, I, do
4: th- I do think the idea that you can tell the story of Mike Trout through the teammates that he has had is kind of an interesting you you know, kind of side plot because, you know, you have the Otani era and anything that comes after that. But Pujols, then of course, but you have the Pujols era. You had, you know, Josh Hamilton was signed for a lot of money to be yes. a running mate for the Angels. Now everyone forgets and
2: that Anthony Rendon was a very good player. Uh, uh,
4: Anthony Rendon is, and that's another thing about, to go back to the rebuilding or trading Mike Trout for prospects, like you do that, you're still saddled with $200 million left on Anthony Rendon's contract too. So Correct. like, it's, it's a tough spot there.
2: But- I think to, to Dallas's point earlier, talking about uh, Trout and Otani's legacies being tied together, let's just say hypothetically, and it's, I don't even know how hypothetical it is. Shohei Otani ends up with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Next wins the World year, Series. Wins three World Series. Then he, f- he plays the next 10 years in LA, wins three, goes to five right? After he retires, call it 10 years after he retires, how many people are going to even talk about the Angels years? They'll be like, yeah, like, he won the MVP, and like, yeah, he was teammates with Trout, but then, like, his legacy will be the Dodgers, and the legacy that he built there.
3: But then you still look back, and you go, remember when Artie Moreno was going to sell the team, but he didn't, and he ended up letting Shohei walk. They couldn't retain him, and what did Shohei go on and do? So that, again, like, the major story is the world series championships no three out of five trips. But where does the story start with sure. a defunct ability to either lock him down or inability to lock him down or let him walk? And that isn't what-
2: that crazy that
3: the forgettable
2: part of his career would be like if Barry Bonds and Ken Griffey Jr. played on the same team but no one remembers it because Barry went on to do what Barry did. Like if Barry and Griffey were on the Pirates together, but no one remembers it because when Barry went to San Francisco, that's when he like broke the records and he was in the World Series and this and that. Like that there's a very strong chance that Mike Trout, Shohei Otani teammates is a footnote for two of the best players who ever played this game that has been being played since the 1800s.
3: And that's where that World Series trophy just puts on the googly eyes and is looking at Mike Trout saying, this could have been you, but you've played. You playing. <laughs> <laughs> <But> you, playing. <laughs> you kicking it with Artie. This could have been you.
1: Yeah. Mike Trout could be known as a cancerous teammate. Who knows? I mean, mm. look what happened to Pujols left. It's true. Resurgence.
2: That's what I was going to bring up too the Pujols thing. How, how much do you think he regrets putting the post-retirement agreement in that contract? <laughs> like <laughs> The fact that he had this storybook ending, goes back to the St. Louis Cardinals, hits 700 home runs, has a swan song, goes, goes away in the postseason, uh, and then it's like, fuck, I have to go back and be an angel. Like, he, the fact that he could, in theory, just be showing up in spring. Like, like Ichiro. Dude retired, never went away. Just started showing up in spring training with the Seattle Mariners. He's helping out all those guys. And Albert Pujols has to like get sucked back into no. the vortex that is putting on an Angels uniform and being at that spring training camp.
4: You have it all wrong. It is way funnier this way. This, <laughs> is, th- this is the best possible way that it could play out because I, you would have to imagine that there's an awkwardness on both sides and the fact that no. it has to play like, this oh, is I've got to... This- I got to pay this dude who like Artie Moreno's probably thinking like, I got to keep paying this dude for 10 more years who ripped me off for 10 years before. Like, like I I, I, I don't want to see. We have
3: proof that it was in there the whole time. (laughs) Artie, Artie's got to get to put his business hat on and you got to figure out a way that he can essentially sell the rights to (laughs) celebrate everything back to the Cardinals. Like, all right, whatever you guys, whatever you guys think I'm going to make on this, We'll, we'll we'll slide a napkin across the table here at Denny's, and uh, there's going to be a number on there. All right, you tell me how far apart we are, and let's let's get to a number where it, he it, can he can be a bird again.
2: You know that's Do you think do you think they can work out a trade like we we we're trading you post-career. ten years yes. of Albert's yes. post career back to the St. Louis Cardinals? Yes. They, that was one of the coolest things. We talked about this all the time. When we went to the Atlanta Braves spring training facility and there's just Braves legends everywhere. So cool. they like those guys all come back. They all want to be a part of it. If I'm a St. Louis Cardinal and I'm like a rookie and I'm coming up and I'm like a first baseman and I like a, like a uh, uh, say Spencer Torkelson got drafted by the Cardinals. And it's like, all right, like I'm the fucking, I'm the buff first baseman that pops homers. I can learn from Albert Pujols. You kidding me? That should be one of the things that's just right of passage. You come up through the Cardinal system. <laughs> I
3: want to learn from Albert Pujols. Instead, no, no. I got to go to the
2: fucking Angels for that. Artie no, no.
3: This is <laughs> Arnie Moreno's going, I'm going to think outside the box here. I know that Albert Pujols has played third base before. So I'm going to get him. He might be a little injury prone. Yeah, that's okay. I'm going to get him to sit down with Anthony Rendon. All right. Oh, They're God they are gonna talk about
2: are <laughs> <They're> going <laughs> talk about their broke ass feet.
4: Yeah, it just it it sucks because I wonder who's stiffer at this point. <laughs> hey, come on, Redone is a is a viable
3: uh, Albert, Albert was just in
2: the All Star game the the basketball he had like, he had a steal on what twenty one Savage. <laughs> yeah, you know Pujols. Yeah, yeah.
4: I mean, yeah, fact super. remains: I've seen Albert Pujols carry carry a team more recently than I've seen Anthony Rendon do it. So get Max on the or, phone.
2: We gotta call Max right now. I need I need his takes on uh, I'm gonna call Max right now.
4: Yo, by the way, it, it really is kind of embarrassing though, because like it doesn't matter like everyone will always and always wants to think of Albert Pujols as a cardinal. So like mm-hmm. this idea that he's going around like glad handing is like an ambassador of the angels. It's just like Right. I want no, like, like, ev- like, to everybody in the name will- of a the- it's like when they change the name of the stadium, it's like, actually, I'm still going to call it Jacobs Field. Like, fuck off.
3: Yeah. Well, that's true. like, you know what? It's like it's like uh, <laughs> it's like Nick Saban showing up at the fucking 16 and 0 Miami Dolphins like fucking, like, hey, you know, I'm just I'm the old Dolphin guy. Like we all know me <laughs> as the Dolphin guy. Right. It's like, where's your fucking roll tide polo guy? What the fuck is going on here? What are you doing here? You got well, me.
1: maybe that's how they're going to get Shohei to sign with them. Be like, bro, you can be the coach when you retire. <laughs>
3: when you retire.
1: Why can't you I think find Shohei it? says no to that?
3: No, I mean, look, you got Buster Posey retiring and like becoming part owner of the team. The, the next move is for an active player to have an active stake in the team he's playing for. That's where Moreno, that's where Artie Moreno locks in Otani. He's like, look. That's what he should have done. I'm selling the team
1: to Shohei Otani. <laughs> to keep them here. That's no, the only like way it could happen.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, instead of selling the team, we had been workshopping uh, the idea of bringing in a new owner into the group. I would like to announce that owner today. That owner is also the opening day starter and the cleanup hitter that is Shohei Otani. <laughs> Dude,
1: I can totally see it, but they can't because Shohei, that's obviously collusion. They just give it to his dad. His dad is the
3: owner. I think there's probably still a conflict of interest thing there. But- <laughs> no, man. Do no, you no. think so? No, I mean, Alex Avila's dad was the GM. I feel like you could own the team. <laughs> that wouldn't be a problem. Alex Avila was was your catcher
2: when I almost put one in, into fucking the parking lot off of you.
3: Oh, that's right. For the game that we won, that never happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, when you guys walked it off on the top of the 13. <laughs> that was the most <laughs> bullshit game of all time. They were the road team and they walked off. Never they they done. brought the, the whole cooler done. out. Never. See that's
3: why you that's why you show up to the ballpark, ladies and gentlemen, because you could see something that you've never seen before, and those fans got to watch a visiting team walk it off. I need I need to find that
1: uh, Pujols contract. Yeah. Well, so is Pujols in spring training right now? Like oh yeah, with the hat on, he's walking around like an angel, walking around like an angel
3: he's he is uh he is an angel it's almost like do you wonder you wonder if people have to like have it explained to them why he's there like <laughs> yeah. like, <hold> on. He, <laughs> They're like wait a second like, he got traded right he went to the dodger and then he went to the
4: holy car- shit poos like, is here on an nri god damn yeah. Yeah. That like, is he
3: back like man he fucking loves the game huh he's back they like, no, no, so here's what happened. <laughs> Why is this? Yeah, I would love to right? see the Cardinals and the Angels work out a post-career trade for the next decade of Albert services. I mean, it's tough, though, because the milestones and stuff, you know, those were all hit
4: in a halo uni. Well, 700 came in a, or the, I mean, seven, yeah. That's what they wanted. Yeah, the 700
5: came as a Cardinal. Yeah, yes. That's what I meant. Yeah. What'd you say? I don't have my headphones on.
4: I... No, I, I I stopped talking. I, oh. But we're on the same page. Oh, okay. I'm going to find. Yeah, it. like those, were, th- that was all supposed to happen
3: five years ago. And <laughs> <laughs> <Got laughs> I'm. There it is.
2: Okay. 10 years, 240 million. Signed by the Angels as a free agent uh he's got milestone bonuses, award bonuses, perks, hotel suite on the road, luxury suite for Pohols charity for 10 home games each season, right to buy a luxury suite between 1st and 3rd. Uh a 10 year. Oh my god. 10 year, 10 million dollar personal services contract begins once player contract expires. So he All right, I'm calling Max.
3: Yeah, so that's showing up at, you know, ownership dinners and luncheons. Is
2: for ten million dollars for a ten year deal? Albert Pujols is the Angels' butler for the next decade. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing Angel? Max? We got We're talking about uh, Albert Pujols and his ridiculous personal services contract with your. Uh, do you call them the Anaheim Angels? Like the Angels fans? Like do, I feel like if you're actually in the Anaheim area, you like fuck LA.
0: Yeah, they're kind of like, that's like kind of like a nostalgic thing. Like, I don't know. Like, everyone wants them to be the Anaheim Angels, but, like, I guess we kind of get it. The LA thing, the money. I don't, I don't really know. They're nowhere near LA. You've ever been here.
2: No, they're not. They're not. Uh, we were just having a conversation about, uh, Shohei Otani inevitably leaving your team and then Mike Trout demanding a trade once Shohei leaves. Uh, where are you on that situation?
0: That's all slander. Uh, the Otani thing, I, okay. You might be kind of right there,
2: like definitely right. I,
0: it, it's kind of like when you're about to break up with someone, you know, and it's just like, it, like, you know what? He's he's not even that good
2: anyway. Like, who really cares? Honestly, um, you know what it, you know what it's like. It's it's like living with your girlfriend, and you are both on the lease, and you break up, and there's still like a year left on the lease, and you just are fucking stuck with each other as roommates. That's exactly what's going on with Shohei Otani and the Angels.
5: <laughs>
0: I don't know. Like, but then it's like that like twenty-five percent of me is like, well, he could stay. Let no. me know. Like, twenty-five percent. Like, like, <laughs> come on.
2: Twenty-five percent.
0: Oh bro, like no. give me a little something here. Like he could stay, like come on. No. For old for old time's sake, like he could stay. Come on, we had pillow night this year, like he had on pillow. And Burlander came over, like it was a great night. He could stay.
3: You, he, yeah, you he got you got pillow night because you've been sleeping on Shohei, that's why he got me. <laughs> And it's a good
1: point. Ben Verlander is based in LA. That's probably a huge incentive. For yeah, you think, you
5: think he's going to
0: leave? You think he's going to leave his number one fan? Come on, oh, there's
1: no man. way. I, he might leave
2: no. just to get away from Ben Verlander.
5: <laughs> yeah, you're right.
0: But that might be the first thing just... he
2: says to ownership. No. Is like, listen, I love the team. I love the direction that we're going in. But <laughs> this guy, this guy won't leave me alone. Bro, this dude went to Japan, to his hometown. He could. <laughs> he could. He I, could show up anywhere did, at any time. You're <laughs> right. You're not getting
0: away from this guy. It doesn't really matter what. Uh, so you're just not getting away from him. So, uh, but yeah, like I, I, I'm right there. I think, you know, will we make the right baseball move? Like will we trade him and get a bunch of stuff at a deadline? Like Soto? Like, I, I don't know. Will he just walk? Maybe. Will he stay? Maybe. No. I don't know. It's kind of the thing. But trial demanding a trade, that's no trial. No way.
2: Yeah, you're right. He just doesn't have the it factor. He just doesn't want it bad enough. Yeah.
0: Oh, I don't know about that. I just think he's, you know, he's a one-man guy.
2: Max, it's one or the other. Like either he wants to make the playoffs or he wants to play for the Angels. <laughs>
5: you
0: can do
2: both.
5: No, you can't. They're not.
2: They're not mutual. Like you can do both. Like he,
0: he always talks about looking up to Derek Jeter and how like he always like played for one team, and I think he like really respects that. And I think, look, wow. man, it's gonna come down to him to make the playoffs. Yeah, you're right. Like, it, but. He's going to be the one to do both, I think.
2: Okay, incorrect. Um, Last thing before we let you right, go. Well, uh, the well, Anthony Rendon MVP race, is it back on yep. for 2023?
0: So, I mean, I, I tweeted you the other day. You just left me on red, big time, mate. So Sorry. uh, what are, the, what are the odds looking like? Maybe I'll throw down a couple bucks on there.
2: Uh, Let me see. The DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, R- uh, Rendon
0: was just did an interview. He plus
2: he doesn't have social media. Plus ten thousand. No, that no, okay. ten thousand.
0: Okay. What a value? Right there. A value.
2: That's a, a good value. Yeah, he has the That's same chances as that. Randy Arosarena. That can't be right. That's very true. Trevor uh, Story. So put favorite. it this way: Anthony Rendon has the same odds to win the MVP as Trevor Story, who probably has a chance of not even playing a baseball game this year. You,
5: I mean, you love Trevor.
2: I do love I Trevor Story, but he's hurt right now.
5: No, so Rendon just did an interview with
0: the athletic, I think, and mm. he has his social media presence is like worse than mine. Uh he still has gnats in his bio, which is kinda hilarious. <laughs> um, he he like said something where he's like, I see all the stuff, all the criticism, all, all the you know, all the hate, all the M V P bet slips." I guess. I don't know if he sees that or not, but <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I kind of again, this one I'm a little more hesitant on where I'm like, I kinda know how oh, this is the Rendon thing is going to play out, but look at the bright side only
2: three more years. Left. I, I mean, are you in? Or are you Oh, I feel like you can't be like the Anthony Rendon MVP betting guy and also be the there's only three years left. I can't wait for him to leave guy. You can't be both.
0: Well, yeah, I can though. Like how Trout's going to win and be an angel, mm-hmm. I can be the he's going to leave in three years, but one of these three years, I'm going to hit that plus 10,000.
2: Okay. All right, plus 10,000 at the DraftKings Sportsbook, Max. Uh, Best of luck to your Angels this year. Uh, I would say, as a friend, enjoy it while it lasts because it's probably all going to come crashing down after this year.
0: Yeah, uh, and I'd love to be back on when he does leave. I don't know. You guys are probably going to have like a five-hour telephone when that happens. (laughs) Um, You know, appreciate you guys having me on for sure. Uh, And let's push that show. Hey. Where, where do you guys think he goes before I leave?
2: I think, he, I think I, I'm in the 25%. I think he stays.
0: You're full of shit, dude. he Yeah,
2: there.
3: Where does he go? It's time for Dodger All Baseball! Right. All right, I'm out of here,
2: Bob.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sad to see Max go. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> I love Max, though. Go Halos.
3: That's going to be a tough uh, tough pill to swallow as an Angels fan to deal with all of this coming down the pipeline, knowing that you can't do anything to stop it.
2: Nothing. Nothing. Um, But I don't know if you've noticed, Dallas. My internet has been firing on all cylinders this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And that is because the good folks at Comcast Xfinity. Oh, yeah. Game Day just got a major upgrade with the next generation Xfinity 10G network. With Xfinity 10G, you can power an entire house full of devices all at once. So go ahead, invite your neighbors over for the game and your neighbor's neighbors. Xfinity 10G can handle it all, handle it all, all at once with ultra low lag. Xfinity 10G gives you the fastest internet, both at home and when you're away. With millions of Wi-Fi hotspots, you can stay right in on the action even when you're on the go. Introducing the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash 10G. Oh yeah, baby. <coughs> I was uh, reading this column earlier. Uh Yelly said he went off the grid this offseason. Said he just disconnected. He didn't know. Who was on what team? He didn't know what the free agency signings were. He didn't know who got traded where. Said he just unplugged and tried to get back to form. um, Pre-back injuries, which he's been dealing with for a little bit now. So Yelly unplugged. He unplugged. How much do you think that that can actually help?
3: A ton. It helps a ton. I mean, I'm a big... I I do this during the offseason even now. Not as a player, I don't have the physical stress that these guys have. I don't have the emotional stress that these guys have as an active player, but you still need to unplug. you still need to get away and it's all it's really it's a a physical cleanse, a mental cleanse, all of the above you talk you talk to guys who are now every day trying to incorporate moments throughout their day, whether it's a ten minute window a half hour window where they are literal it's called earthing you know they walk around barefoot on the grass on the dirt to feel the earth and connect with the earth's vibrations and there's science that backs up the benefits the health benefits from connecting to nature and that's what literally unplugging does is it gets you away from these radio waves that we are surrounded with and surrounded by that are coursing through our body because we use them every day sitting in front of this computer with a phone in your hand headphones on your ears like there's a whole bunch of shit just pumping through you well when you get away from that there's a physical there's a it resonates and you're not you're not clouded with the opinions of others and what you're doing right now to get yourself right and because I was just talking about this yesterday if somebody eats something before a game and they feel like that's what what brought them to that pinnacle of performance, then let them eat it before the game. And I don't care if it's terrible for them and it's actually doing a disservice to them. You want to know what it's doing for them. Mentally, it's putting them in the right place they need to be to go out and execute. And that's what unplugging can do is it allows you to find a new wavelength, find a new path, sort of flush everything from last year and start fresh. You shed skin. Especially
1: with Yelly, because if you look at his stats, like Yelly's kind of like downturn in production lines up perfectly with like 5G towers going up. Boom. So. Boom. You think that's what he's thinking?
3: Uh, subconsciously, Joy, because he used the term unplug. That's so how think- deep these
1: waves go. So 5G is what screwed Yelich over.
3: No, I'll say this. Yellich has been a guy who's always sort of a tinkerer of sorts, right? Like we were, (laughs) when we interviewed him, he was talking about the the adjustments that he made like during the MVP year. And he was like, did I just kind of went into the cage and was like, I think I'm going to stand like this today. (laughs) And that felt good. And so I kept doing it. And I kept raking and but you know you tinker your toy physical setbacks force you to try different things, compromise your ability to move certain ways, so you're trying to just figure out a way to get from A to B as efficiently as possible. that can take away so uh, and I always talk about guys trying to <clears throat> battle through injury when you're doing that you're deteriorating or you're sort of lowering your baseline level of performance, and what you want to do. Is be able to rest, recover, build back up so that you don't get back to that baseline, but you get back to where you were before you got hurt. Well, sometimes battling injury and battling multiple injuries sets you back to where now you're just trying to get back to that baseline of I'm just trying to survive, figure it out, and then maybe go from there. And so there's a lot of things that he's been dealing with, but to see or hear him say like, yeah, man, got away cleared shit out you ready to ready to ride again that's
2: we need to we need to get him back on the podcast Yeah, he needs a rub he needs a rub Needs a rub Needs a rub uh jay hey through this link in the chat i believe today um old boob nightingale usa today rob manfred questions whether san diego padres can sustain their huge payroll in a small market uh One of the most interesting notes that I found in here, this is a direct quote from from Bob. There was $3.7 billion spent in free agency this past offseason, with seven teams accounting for $2.6 billion of that.
3: That's insane. Yeah. So when we talk about there's only going to be a small number of teams who are in any conversation for a high dollar free agent though we're watching organizations manipulate the luxury tax by extending the years so maybe they feel like they've figured out a loophole i i feel like that loophole is gonna close um
4: yeah i mean that dude that that just that's not good for baseball period it's I, not I I know that other sports have labor unrest and that within the the faction of owners, there are differences of opinion, whether it's the NFL or the NBA, and I'm not trying to pretend that other leagues don't have those sorts of problems, but don't you think it's bizarre at best how often you hear the commissioner of baseball talking about the sustainability of spending for this team or how much or or the direction of contracts in this way or this it's just like i i don't understand. i mean i understand why it, why it happens and w- what his ultimate goal is but it just feels like so then hold on there, there is such a there, there is such a constant rain cloud presence and a constant push to just be so overtly anti-labor in a way that other sports commissioners if they are are much, much more subtle about doing. So let me ask you this.
3: If you know why, and I'm going to kind of put you on the spot right now, and if you don't want to answer, that's fine. I understand. But if you know why, because you said, I know why, and I don't mean I'm not asking this like you have a definitive answer that nobody else knows about. That's not how I'm asking this. You have an opinion on why. And so I would like to hear what your opinion is on that why, why he speaks about things the way he does. Because I have a strong opinion on why as well. And I think there's an example being set that flies directly in the face of everything that this man says. And you almost have to hit pause. And I feel like somebody should pull him aside at some point and go, hey, um, <clears throat> dude, the stuff you're saying, I I don't know if you're watching the spending that's occurring in the game. uh, But it's been happening for a while. And it's been sustained because we're watching the revenue in the game increase year after year. So it almost feels like you're just kind of trying to get people to believe something that isn't really true or that isn't there.
4: Yeah, I, I think Rob I think it comes down to the fact that Rob Manfred is more like um he's more upfront. And direct about being a representation of ownership than I think most sports commissioners present themselves as in the modern day, and certainly more so than Bud Selig did. Even though Bud Selig actually was an owner before becoming commissioner, like I know, Manfred's background is as a as it, basically the labor lawyer for the MLB side of of uh, like CBA negotiations and stuff like that. So he's coming from a very specific angle on this and i think there's a couple of things at play i think he is getting a lot of legitimate very real pressure from smaller market clubs who are agree or disagree I, that that is happening like that pressure is being applied and it has been applied prior to this this off season i think that's part of it i think the second part is that he is um i think there is in the back of people's minds still a fear that the antitrust thing is going to come back up into play politically and that major league baseball's like spending and books and stuff like that will eventually be opened. And I think he's very committed to the idea of making sure that people hear that these are not profitable, that that the Padres doing what they're doing right now is not profitable. Um and that they are in the red, which he says in that in that uh article. He says but that about Steve Cohen too, uh, with the Mets, that they're op that this spending as them currently operating in the red, nobody knows if that's true or not. It's probably not true, but um, I just, that's well, my, I, I think the theory is. He definitively is, is says just, it. He
2: doesn't even say I theorize. He says, direct quote, the Padres are going to lose money, but the yeah. question is, what are you going to do next?
3: No, see, so that's where, that's where again now, and, and I'm not going to get heavily into this stuff, but you understand how billionaire you, <laughs> you know that Amazon Amazon declares a loss at the end of the year. Right. We understand that we we get that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like, but, but just, if we understand that basic idea of how that can happen, like, did you just tell me that Amazon takes a reports a loss? Like they don't like the taxes that they pay. Like if we understand that kind of shit, then we can understand what the message really is here. And it's what the message, what I have said is it's always been is there's a big difference between being profitable in somebody's eyes and being profitable in this other person's eyes. your profitable and my profitable might be very different. The idea that you're not making any money and losing money at the end of the day, that's going to be tough to get me to understand or believe because we understand how shit goes.
4: Well, and I also think that the, the, the main thing that the Mets spending and the Padres spending gets at is the idea that Major League Baseball and the owners have been trying to rip the cord between on-field team performance and team profitability for quite a long time now. And it's accelerated in the last five or 10 years. But if owners had their way, then whether a team makes the playoffs or whether a team is good or whether it wins baseball games would have as little to do with whether the team makes a profit or not as possible. And when you have teams like the Padres going out and spending real amounts of money over the long term to add to the on-field product then i think that that obviously runs counter um you know kind of philosophically to what a large portion of the major league baseball teams have been trying to do for the last 5 10 15 20 years well and and then my next my my question would would be um what <laughs>
3: what would you have these teams do then what would you have them do because the the teams that want to spend the teams that are saying we like the idea of winning a trophy and we understand that we might have to spend a little more in some areas just to sure up what we think will help us win that trophy. And whether you agree with that or not, that doesn't matter because this is our organization and this is how we would like to try to win our trophy. So if I, at the end of the day, want to walk away from this only being able to pay the people that have to be paid out exactly what they are and nothing more. And it's almost like a break even sort of business deal for me, but I've got the trophy. I'm okay investing my resources to do that. That's kind of what Steve Cohen is saying, right? So what would you have him do then as an ownership who's willing to spend resources in a manner that others aren't just so he can win this game? Because remember, it's a game. Or are you telling me it's a business now? Oh, wait, no, they're both, but that's part of business, right? Is being able to play the game. Well, he can play the game and he can do the business. So what would you have him do? Not play the game? You would have him not do the business that. that He's saying, this is what the fuck this is all about, right? Like we're here to win. So I want to do that. And I'd like to do that spending an inordinate amount of money, but I know that I'm going to be able to make this money up because this is profitable, how I'm willing to do this. You think I fell bass backwards into being a billionaire? I've got a pretty good idea on how I want to do this, just like the guy in San Diego. You think he fell fucking bass backwards into a boatload of money? He's probably got a pretty good idea. And remember, for a lot of these ownership groups, this isn't their main chip in their portfolio. You do well in business, so you get to play with the toy like a fucking franchise.
4: I actually wonder how true that is anymore. Like, not the overall wealth of the owners, but the idea that this is the toy that they play with because they made so much money elsewhere. I think that's individually true. I think that's currently true for Steve Cohen. I think that's true for, um, you know, like Joe Lacob or somebody like that uh, in the NBA. Jerry Jones. Like, I do think there is an element of that in each sport. But I think more and more there are ownership groups, or not even individual people. But conglomerates, or, you know, like kind of 15, 20 people pulling their money together, where it's actually treated much more like a hedge fund um, and yes. where it's not necessarily just a toy that's, hey, let's go try and win some World Series and splash some money and throw our chips in and stuff like that. It's actually, we're going to build up the neighborhood around it. We're going to use this as an investment vehicle. And what happens on the field is like kind of incidental. That's, that's, and that has been. That's been, I don't
3: want to say the problem, but that has been the biggest hurdle, I think, for fans to clear in their head is that understanding is it's not number one in terms of the product and your team winning or losing. That is secondary to the business aspect of what a successful organization looks like. And if you are uplifting the community around you and you have those irons in those fires, From a business perspective, then your organization, your baseball organization, is providing you with the vehicle that you need to do just that, to become a bigger entity within your neighborhood, within your community. All of those things generate revenue. And just because you're not going to the ALCS or NLCS doesn't mean you're losing money. It means you're not making as much as you potentially could, but by no means are you losing money.
1: Well, you know, what I'm wondering is like the owners or Rob Manfred, they will say this is not, they'll say this isn't really a money problem, but a competitive balance issue with one team spending too much. And I saw this on Twitter from 2004 to 2014, 10 years, there was five, there were six 100 win teams in 10 years. And last year there was four, which would say there is like a gap, I guess. And there's more bad teams and more good teams, less competitive balance. Like, what do you think the solution for that would be? I, who does it fall on? Is it owners or which owners—poor ones, rich
4: ones, or what? Competitive balance, to me, is always like kind of a, a term that's depending on who's using it, right? And like, I don't think there's any question that the the quote unquote lack of competitive balance right now has absolutely nothing to do with player salaries and ev- and everything to do with a certain portion of these teams not being concerned really at the end of the day with what the product is on the field. Like it just, that it's the low end. It's not the high end for me, if that makes sense. It's the Rockies, it's the pirates, it's the reds, it's the rays, although they continue to be so well run in other areas that their lack of investment doesn't really matter. Um, It's, you know, some of these teams like the Orioles going for complete four or five year teardowns where, you know, the payroll is rock bottom and they're not investing anything in the major league organization in the quote unquote name of bottoming out and getting back to the top. Like, I think it's a combination of those sorts of things. I don't think it's um, because if you look at like percentage of like the high end, right, the percentage of players salaries that represent of a, of a team's payroll or what the high end players are making relative to what they were making back like when A-Rod signed his first record breaking deal like we're not really moving in a upward trajectory way in that. Like the salaries have not really gone the way that I think you would think over a 20 or 25 year period. It's just that we see these numbers that are now 13 and 14 year deals and think, "Wow, there's a lot more 300 million dollar contracts now," but with inflation and just the natural revenue streams of the game, like contracts are if anything I think a little stagnant relative to what you would expect. So I don't I think it's a lack of investment and desire to compete on the lower end of the teams uh, among the thirty than it is anything to do with, you know, the top end teams spending in a way that that can't possibly be matched by other and a, teams.
3: And again, the lack of or the percei- their, pers- their the the Jesus the perceived lack of desire to compete can also be translated in. This is the optimal business move for this organization. Because again, if I start to spend more, then I don't make as much because I'm not going to be able to spend enough to win and take the windfall of the victory lap. But if I just stay right here, competitive, meaning I have a team,
4: then I'm good. I'm making money as this club. Think of how quickly some of the recent World Series champions made very clear-cut financial decisions on key players from those championship teams, like imme- the almost immediately after winning. Like, I'm sure there is. I'm sure somebody very smart with the Red Sox would tell you that there was a financial uh, benefit or net gain from the trade of Mookie Betts versus what they would have had to pay him versus what they got back in production. There's no argument left to be made anymore now that we have. A, like a half decade sample that that was the better on field decision. It was the wrong on field decision. If the Red Sox were first and foremost interested in winning baseball games, you can say similar things about how the Washington nationals tore down their roster following 2019. And we've been down that road. I've been down that road plenty of times with the 2016 Cubs, the 2016 Cubs, by the way, if you, if you focus on the Rizzo, Baez, Bryant decisions, they made the right business decisions. That's been that's played out. Like Javier Baez is an anchor contract now. Chris Bryant is fine. Like he's not on the Hall of Fame path that it looked like he was in 2016. Some of these are the right business decisions, but that doesn't mean that they're they're the moves that will impact winning on the field the way that I don't know, it just doesn't feel like things happened that quickly 15 or 20 years ago to championship teams.
2: Speaking of business decisions, <clears throat> uh, Manny Machado straight up said, I am opting out. Uh, so there were some false reports about what he was looking for if and when he reaches free agency. At Decade the end of the plus. Year. Easy. Yeah. This is what Manny Machado had to say.
3: Are you going to be a Padre next year, do you think?
6: Am I going to be a Padre next year?
3: 2024.
6: <laughs> I mean, so far this year, I'm a Padre, but who knows after next year? I know, uh, you know, obviously, the team knows where, where I stand in my situation, and you know, with opt out coming, and you know, I think I've expressed that I will be opting out after this year. Um, you know, but I think my focus is not about twenty twenty four. I think my focus is about twenty twenty three. What I can do to this park club, what I've done for this organization, and you know, what we're gonna continue to do here. I think we got some special here growing, and um, you know, I don't think uh, anything's gonna change. Is that gonna be fairly easy for you? Focus on I play baseball. I play baseball. Um, you know, I go out there and. Um, you know, do what I can every single day. Um, you know, I think ultimately we're all here to do one thing, one thing only, especially in this planet, is to do what we're blessed to do. And, you know, I was blessed to play baseball, and that's what I'm going to do every single day. And, um, you know, try to keep leading this team in, in the right path and keep doing the things that we need to do as a ball club here. And I think, uh, you know, try to – try to. it's going to be a lot of noise. It's going to be a lot of noise, you know, um, definitely in Padre Stadium. Definitely Padre Stadiums will be a lot of noise there, but definitely a lot of noise around the league know the and called. Around um you know the country with, with a lot of different things, obviously. Um so I think we're just gonna have to get together as a team and just focus in on, on our go and um you know ultimately that that's all that matters. Uh,
5: I'm
6: not really gonna 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 comment on that. So um, you know, on any or if there is, but uh you know, I'm just just here to play baseball and just continue to do what I gotta do and you know, let my agent and, and, and the front office and AJ like, and Peter handle that. They know started. they know where we stand and uh you know um you know, I think that's 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 all that I could, could answer.
2: So like I've been thinking about this because that's I mean, that's not like a super new clip. It's been out there for a couple of days now. Um if you're a Padres fan, and this is this is going to come off as like a, a jab. You look at the before and after some of like the, you know, the Padres fan fest. A lot of them are just tuning in recently, which is fine. I, I've I've talked about how I, I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't like the term bandwagon fan. It's just some people get into like uh, uh, the sport or the game or the team when the team is winning. That's very much understandable. No one is picking up a sport being like, well, these guys fucking suck. I'll check it out. Like no one's doing that, so it's like I don't I don't really bandwagon shame, but to the point of when you are a newer fan, you are less likely to be understanding of the business side of the game. So if you're just you know you've been diehard Padres fan since 2020, then you're gonna be like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, man, he's our guy, and like, how do you, how could you like go back on the pod? What do you mean you're gonna opt out? Don't you want to be here forever? I'm sure that there's a lot of that happening in San Diego, but. To the more experienced baseball fans, you get it. Uh, you just saw this past offseason. A lot of players that are in their 30s or close to it, getting a ton of years, a ton of money. There's plenty of teams now that are willing to spend. I know that we just had the, the statistic that, I mean, basically it was two-thirds of the spending came from seven teams, like less than, less than a third of the league. Uh, but there are teams that are willing to spend a lot of money. San Diego Padres are one of them. So uh, the before opening day deadline has been set by Machado and his camp. Whether or not they reach an agreement for an extension, I don't think so. I would hate to see the momentum of the Padres derailed by Machado opting out and signing elsewhere and then also losing Juan Soto. Do you think... Kind of going back to Manfred's comments. Do you think that they will keep one of those two? Do you think that they will lose both of those guys? If so, uh, who's more realistic? Do you think that they'll go all in on keeping a Juan Soto? He'll be more expensive. He's younger. He's better. Or has Machado put himself in a position now where he is one of the leaders of that team? Maybe they view him as the guy that is that keeps it all together. He's part... He's. he's there, Xander Bogarts. He's the guy where it's like, you can't fucking let this guy leave. This is our identity. What do you mean you're not going to pay this guy? Is that Manny Machado in San Diego? How does this
3: unfold? That's got to be the perception. There was only one dude who was anywhere close to being in a spot to grab Fernando Tatis by the back of the collar and say, come here, my friend. Listen." Soto's not doing that. Soto ain't. Fuck, no. Absolutely not. Nope. And without that, you just remove that from the equation. Remove that, and then what do you have? You the essentially chaos. have the babysitter gone, and now, now the, now the place is going fucking nuts,
2: which is crazy. And it shows the the personal growth of a guy like Manny Machado because we're not that far removed from Manny Machado being the guy that needed his collar grab.
3: No, and I can tell you what you know. Uh, having a guy like Eric Hosmer in that clubhouse probably helped. guy tangibles through the roof. Probably a guy like Manny. So um, but now Manny's Manny's that guy. And so that uh that has to be the thought is we've got to figure out a way that we keep Manny here. And honestly, this is precisely how you draw it up if you're Manny Machado. Like uh come in, become a leader in the clubhouse, check. Pretty much the best player on the team. Check. Like, I'm now filling two roles in this clubhouse that are going to be very, very tough to fill should I not be here. Like you're going to have two options as far as who the best player on the team is. Like, you got some pretty good options there if I'm not here. But that leadership role, and who knows? It's not to say that Juan Soto can't develop into this leader. This coming of age might happen earlier, sooner rather than later. Maybe that Lockdown deal comes sooner rather than later because Machado's gone, because it's Soto that they're looking at. But yeah, I, I, I got to believe that Manny Machado is every part of the San Diego Padres future plans. But the, again, <laughs> the question is, how much money do the fucking Padres have?
1: Yeah, bro. But doesn't it kind of feel like all the spending, they spent a trillion dollars in one offseason, like kind of makes you think that they're kind of thinking ahead that we won't have to pay Manny Machado in the future because he's going to opt out. We can't afford him.
3: Uh, well, I I feel like the, the uh, Soto, a Soto conversation would have had to have happened if that's the case. Like, you got to know that he's here, right? <laughs> Look at what Rob Manfred said.
1: Not sustainable.
3: Rob knows business. Yeah. He wants he's us not- he wants us to know the business he wants us to know.
1: <laughs> they got Xander, the new shortstop, new leader. You don't think you don't Jared, you don't think Xander, some guy you know with like best friends, roommates, you don't think he could be the next Man Machado clubhouse leader, tell Tatis what to do? Um he's not that guy that uh in
2: that particular moment that we were referencing where like, they're screaming at each other. Xander's not going to scream at anybody. Um, he'll talk to you. Yeah. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. But I don't think he's going to check you.
1: Well, that's good. Because uh, look what that led. That made him do steroids. It's poor yeah, leadership.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's almost like you forget that they have a Xander Bogarts there. Like, we're talking about that's Manny something. Machado leaving. It's like, who's left? Oh, uh, just... Just Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis Jr. Oh, and Juan oh, Bogarts too. He's there. Holy shit! <laughs> you know yeah.
4: what I appreciate about Manny after listening to that audio is there's never been one second since he's been in the major leagues where he did not treat his personal situation as a business. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I totally non-critical observation. That's just I feel like he has been rock solid, consistent on that since the moment he came in. Um, cause this feels like the conversation that he had prior to leaving Baltimore, just who's going to pay right. me the most money. Great. Awesome. Let's go.
1: And good for him too, for getting so much shit about being an asshole, being a fucking dirty player, just to stick through it. And like, I'm not going to just be a bitch now and start lying. I'm going to say I play baseball.
3: Just, just going just to ride it out.
1: He's consistent. And I think that's why people have like kind of grown on Manny. I guess he doesn't step on as many ankles, but he has been consistently Yeah, I'm going
3: to have to talk to the same guy. Him. I'm going to talk to Aggie about that.
5: We <laughs> <laughs> have to get some answers.
2: I'm sorry. I I'm just reacting to some news over here. It's not really a breaking news siren, but uh the Red Sox um for a while one of their top pitching prospects uh Noah Song um he was in the Navy so the Dave Dombrowski in the Philadelphia Phillies got him in the rule five drafts and everyone was like and I I tweeted I was like the Red Sox you can make the case that the Red Sox just lost one of their best pitching prospects and all these fucking nerds were like don't you know that he's in the Navy and there's nothing that you can do blah 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 blah, blah. 20 minutes ago Rule five pick. Noah song has been discharged from the Navy. He will be in camp tomorrow.
3: <laughs> you a fan of this guy, Jared.
2: Big fan. It's,
3: it's all these, it's all these like
2: 20 year old. Jared, it's these college kids the that think that they know like more for some <laughs> reason, like all these like fucking like college kid baseball fans think that they're the smartest baseball fans. Now it's crazy. They're all dumb as fuck. Well, maybe They're they just didn't think idiot.
1: that they were, we the. Red Don't Sox you think was... that I would know more about this than than them? Don't you think that I would know that? It's true. You have a lot of inside information. You knew he was a draft dodger. They had no, they didn't. <laughs> how are they supposed to know that? Wow, crazy, <laughs> absolutely insane. Do you want a guy like that on your team anyway, dude? To freaking let his country down it's,
3: like that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm not
2: talking about Nestor Cortez right now.
3: Oh, Come Nestor. on, Jared. Let's get into this. You're a big fan of the semen. I want to hear you. I want to hear you give us the 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 411 on what you think about a guy like this. Joey's bringing up a lot of interesting points. He's been in the Navy for years.
2: It's not. This is not like a. he went in the Navy and then got claimed by the Phillies and got discharged. He's been active for, I think, like two or three years.
4: I, okay.
2: Yeah. Anyways,
4: absolutely insane that like the biggest music act in the world has to go, has to pause so that they can like go do their like military desk jobs. BTS, shout out BTS. BTS. Shout out the army. What up? Shout out the army.
1: And I think if they made major league baseball players do that, we'd be in a lot better position as a league and as a country.
4: (laughs) Everybody had their mandatory Ted Williams stretch. Yeah. So Joey, what you're saying is more war.
3: Yeah. <laughs> There's some
1: issues we could probably sort out in other places if we had major leaguers on board with operations. I'll say le- operations. I'll say operations.
4: Uh, I'll say, I'll say operations. <laughs> That's a whole new marketing opportunity.
1: Yeah, dude. Has he killed anyone, Jared, the guy in the Red Sox?
2: What do you
4: yeah, think? So you think you're a probably. closer? <laughs> uh,
2: Chris Cattillo just tweeted... Noah Song has to spend the entire season with the Phillies or he'll be offered back to the Red Sox. He needs to stay on Phillies' 40-man roster, but would not here.
3: Wait, so, so, so how was he acquired? Not, this is not a Rule 5. Rule 5. Oh, it is a Rule 5. hmm Yeah. So, so he what,
1: told the U.S. and Navy, like, bro, listen, you got to let me go. They just let me out of the Red Sox. Like, like you're don't basically going to
3: gonna give me a big league job if I can stay there. Can I please go play baseball?
1: If this is my only chance to get out of the Red Sox organization. Please.
3: <laughs> oh, I like may it,
1: not be in the Navy.
3: Like these are the guys who traded Mookie. Come on. This is where I got to. This is my out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> my internet's acting up again, I guess.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably saying, look, if, all, if things work out, we could maybe reconvene in San Diego. He you knows there, Xander. Just put a bow on this whole thing. (laughs) What else else we got? That's it. Is that all? (laughs) Yeah.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Riveting. That was it, I think. Yeah. It's good stuff.
1: What about your brewers, bro? We already talked about Kirsten Yeltsch. No, man. Corbin Burns oh yeah can we talk oh, about yeah. that getting burnt
3: yeah man we, we kind of touched on this last pod didn't we uh you know bachette dallas called him a
2: pussy he was like he the direct quote because he texted it to me after he's like this pussy is crying over no. <laughs> what yeah he did no. <laughs> oh dude i got the receipts that's that's here awesome. it is here it is here it is right here at the hearing flu in the night before um had the hearing all day. He Tuesday missed Valentine's Day. day um, it's been
6: Valentine's Day on a plane. Um got home at, you know, ten, eleven o'clock and, and got to see my wife before she fell asleep. So that was kinda <laughs> how the Valentine's Day went. So that was that was fun. But um yeah, you know, like I say, you, you kinda of find out your true value. Um you think you, you work hard for seven years in the organization and five years with the with the big league team and um you get in there and basically they, they value you much different than what you thought you you contributed to the organization. Um and it's just, you know, it's Obviously, it's tough to hear, it's tough to take. But you know, they're trying to do what they can to win a hearing. Um, but I think there was obviously other ways that they they could have gone about it, um, and um, probably been a little more respectful with the, with the way they went about it. But um, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, here we are. Um, you know, they they obviously that they won it. Um, but it, it, when it came down to to winning or losing the hearing, it was it was more. Than that.
2: Carbon, this is everyone. That's fucked up, man. But compare that to. I mean, uh, Corbin Burns has been on this show. Compare that to another alumni of this show, um, Max Freed, was kind of um, had a different side of like all those things. I couldn't be happier. I mean, to first
6: comment on the the other people, like, I couldn't be happier for them. You know, they they've worked really hard and they've earned it, and they're extremely talented. And uh, you know, I was going up, giving them hugs, and sitting in their press conferences, and it was you know, it's been. You know it's, it's these are you know it's kind of life-changing money for people so it's being able to just like congratulate them and support them and you know we're teammates at the end of the day um but you know it's it's not so there's there's no on my side there's no anger or animosity or anything it's, it's you know two sides going at it and business and just kind of the way i see it
2: but- so just different perspectives there max freed versus corbin burns
3: there's always the element of you as an athlete you want to believe and you have believed this your entire life that you're the exception you're the exception in this group of kids right now like everybody's telling you what the odds are and how stacked against you they are and every time you hear that you secretly are looking around like, hey, I hope you're fucking listening to this because you're going to need to figure out what the fuck to do. Like, this this isn't for me. This is for you. That's that's how you're thinking as a young athlete all the way through. And you want to believe that when you get to the big leagues that you're going to be the exception, right? I will be my generation's Craig Biggio or Jeff Bagwell. I will wear the one uniform from dawn till dusk. And when it's all said and done, I will be this great organizational individual, this player that's and then inevitably the business of baseball starts to rear its head however soon or later in your career. And I always think it's just a matter of how prepared you are for the realization that you're not that dude or the realization that the team that you are willing to take the bullet for doesn't look at you like you're that dude at least in this moment in time, at least when we're in this hearing. Why? Because this is business. And if you know that I have to walk in here and basically degrade you as a player so that I can earn our organization more money, if you don't understand that, I don't know another way to break it to you. That's what's occurring. And whether or not that's wise from an organizational perspective, to want to burn bridges, per se, or leave a bad taste in the mouth of your players, whether you put any stock into that or not. Maybe there's people who treat it like, look, we're going to starve this dog. We're going to beat this dog and rattle this dog's cage. And then when we unleash him every five days, we're unleashing a fucking beast on the rest of the league. We'll piss him off. He's getting bread water. We don't care. Maybe that's their thought when they go into arbitration. Maybe. Max Fried, it's a combination of him having an understanding that this is how this goes, and the organization also not dragging him through the mud to the extent that maybe other organizations do.
1: Yeah, it's just the Braves way. I want to get paid less money. Please. (laughs) Thank you.
2: What do they do to their guys over there where they're just like, I would like to sign a deal that makes no sense for me. And then when you fuck me in arbitration and you say a bunch of horrible disparaging things about my character and my play, I can't wait to speak
1: glowingly of you afterwards. Like, what is that? <laughs> Ice cream machine in the clubhouse. <laughs> I mean, what more could he ask for?
4: I think Corbin Burns' response is much more relatable, frankly. Um, yeah. He's like, and it, I just and wanted is to def- go, and is go on definitely a date with my wife on responded.
2: Valentine's Day.
4: I, not whatever the Valentine's Day thing, I, we could kind of throw that out. But the, the idea that, like, no. you want to sigh young for these guys and you have been all told the best player on the roster across the last two or three seasons, position player or pitcher. And like, I've never, I I understand how it came about and why teams still do it. But like, I, to me, if, to me, there has to be a better way than saving $500,000 by telling the most important player on your team, that he is fucking trash and you hate him. That he like, was an impediment to your postseason success. Like he's the best <laughs> player on the team. Like right. maybe Max Freed is not that, right? So maybe that makes it a little bit easier. I don't know. But Corbin Burns is the best player in a Milwaukee Brewers uniform. And to me, it's penny wise and pound foolish. And we've we've talked about this on previous iterations of podcasts before, where I do think it's penny wise and pound foolish to save Five or six hundred thousand dollars with your best player, um, and whatever the percentage risk is that you've harmed the relationship moving forward, I never, I would never anticipate that the player will give a discount on the back end because you didn't treat him like a piece of shit during the arbitration process. But it can't help the situation to treat him like a piece of shit. Like I don't. I just don't understand. These are billion dollar organizations and we're all as baseball fans. We're all just like, yeah, it's totally normal for uh, for this team to take their best player to arbitration over over five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Like well, because it's insane, this is how normal the suppression of salary has been in this game. But that's yep. that exactly right. Like that's part of the that's part of like the built in anti player element about yes. the media coverage of baseball and sports in general that we don't even think about when we talk about it. Like just it's, the idea that you have to drag your player to a hearing where they hear about how much they suck. Or you don't have to. I mean it right. You don't have to. No, no, but it's a it, right it of is passage. A outcome. Yeah. It's a right it's it's almost it's a rite of passage, Jay. Hay. Like,
3: oh, well, you know, arbitration, everybody knows what going to arbitration means and what you are in for. It's almost akin to your freshman year in high school, right? Like, oh, you're a freshman. Look out. Look out for those trash cans. Look out for the senior. Like, there's just this, this inherent attachment to what that experience is like, because we've all kind of been there. We all know what that looks like. And if you're a part of the baseball world, especially a player or a fan that covers it in depth to where you understand how the economics work, you know you know what this moment is about. You know that this I, is like, oh, fuck, they're either going to be friends or they're going to fucking hate
4: each other after this. Like, God, I hope this goes well. I, I, I just don't understand how we can suspend disbelief at the idea that this does not impact the relationship between team and player. Like, if any of us in any job we've ever had we're called into your year end review and we're like, not only are we, not only do we not want to give you a raise, but here are all of the reasons professionally and some personally <laughs> why we don't want to pay you more money instead of just saying, here's your raise, here's your review, get out of here. Like, that would, we would all feel something for that, how that man. It's it like working us. at Barstool. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to put specifics on it, but yeah, put it working at Barstool, for example. Like, you, I, it doesn't manifest itself for the same well, well, the same in every person. Like some people could be like what Dallas said and be like, I'm going to use this as fuel to show them that they're wrong. There will be other people who are like, I'm going to shut down and I'm not giving everything I can possibly give for this organization, or I'm I, I am looking out the door. I'm looking two years down the line to see, hey, what pasture is greener, what organization. Have I not had personal disrespect experience with? I think those are real things. So, like, even baseline, if we get reporting on how that plays
3: out moving forward, yeah, the ba- the baseline is different though because th- for a pl- from a player perspective, I understand what kind of pool I'm swimming in. Like, I'm going to have sure. this kind of s- this kind of stuff said about me, and I'm going to have this kind of character questions raised about me. Blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I know that I'm talking about making millions of dollars. That's what's going to happen here. And that job, that job means a lot to me. I've worked my entire life for that job. And if I understand that this is a part of what comes with the territory here, whether I like it or not is one thing I can embrace for impact, though, or I can brace for impact and embrace it. And, And that puts me ahead of the game in terms of other folks who aren't ready to get there mentally. So to the whole like barstool comparison, like, bro, take the job. It's not a dream job. The money is not like, like, I'm not showing up for that end of the year review. Are you fucking I,
4: kidding me? Like, I I know there's a mental fortitude that exists for athletes that doesn't exist for like fucking me dragging my ass to an office or something like that. But I I, I do think like I, I just think that it is really foolish, especially when you're talking about a player of this caliber um, oh, and yeah. this importance to your roster. Yeah,
3: yeah. I I just I, I again. It's tough to think that this is just a part of the game that we accept and we just kind of look past and we're like, oh, we'll just do
4: the arbitration thing still. Like, we're still doing that. We're still there's like it does. not This doesn't exist in the NBA. It doesn't exist in uh, Mm. the NFL and except for like very one one off assessments and stuff like that. Like. It's just a weird quirk of baseball that we're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the part where the team trashes the players to save a little, to save like point zero 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 one percent of uh, yearly revenue. There's not another. There's not another sport. There's not another sport that
3: <clears throat> that. Oh my god, that mirrors so much a, a just a terrible time in our country and a terrible business model. It's just. It's it's gross. It's gross, and I would like to see baseball every opportunity they can pull away from that and get away from that.
2: Well, it's a uh, not a good look by my Brewers,
3: but yeah, Millie Wauke. Hey. Mm. <laughs> Corbin's going to be Millie Waqin later. <laughs>
2: well, they were never they weren't going to pay him anyway. So, I mean, they're probably they're 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 haggling over like a couple hundred thousand here.
3: But to my point, what is Corbin Bird's going to go do next year, or what's going to do this year? He's only going right, four he's innings. Boss. He's going to tell Milwaukee to go fuck themselves.
2: No, nah, he's only he would only fuck himself in that scenario, right? Because you're going to enter the open market, and people are going to be like, well, oh, you didn't, you weren't that good,"
3: right? And like, Milwaukee is going to go, "Well, that was fucking dumb." Oh, you really stuck it to us. So that's why the the whole idea of the organization. You know, my whole starved and
4: beaten dog approach. No, that's, like, that's fine. If you're talking about a player that you have absolutely no intention of signing long term, which right. is a totally separate conversation that sucks for the Brewers and Brewers fans separately. But like, yeah, if you know that this guy's walking out the door, then I guess whatever. Then the relationship doesn't matter. But. Uh,
1: on Valentine's Day, though. Damn, yeah.
3: dog. On Valentine's Day.
1: That sounds like a guy who got some, had a bad day, <laughs> came home. You fucking suck, dude. You're not getting paid. And then he gets home. His wife's like, you suck. You didn't get me
3: flowers. It's
4: <laughs> like, fuck.
3: He's like, I thought I just left arm. This is, the fuck, this is what I come home to? More of what I'm not doing?
2: <laughs> um, Before we get out of here, college baseball's back. Oh, it is. You see, they got a motherfucker out there, ambidextrous pitcher that throws 95, 96. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Fucking.
2: What are we doing? What's
3: in the water? What's boards? his name? Jalen something. Yeah. It's, oh, dude. It's, good
1: luck. He's got a crazy last name.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, is, I, I wouldn't even want to
3: try to begin to say that thing.
1: Yeah. His,
2: his name definitely isn't like Steve Johnson.
3: <laughs> no.
4: That's fine. As the guy who can do that, he's better as a one name sort of icon anyway. Right. Just Jalen. Yeah.
2: We'll just give him a nickname. I mean, but he is, he's an ambidextrous pitcher who throws absolute fuzz. There's a bunch of dudes throughout the league that they're pumping. We're seeing triple digits already this year. We're seeing some 96 to 98 from guys. It's insane. It's insane. Uh, I, I'll be better next week. I'll actually know his name. I want to give him credit and props for being able to throw 95, 96 with <laughs> Both arms, that is psychotic. um But I don't know what else did you? Uh, oh, Tristan Casas's brother hit two Mamos on Sunday. That family is just pumping out absolute monster baseball players. They were not cheapies at all. Uh, I saw the there was a true freshman that I want to say. Did he play for San Diego? Maybe. His name was Jared. I can't remember his last name. Hit a ball off the scoreboard. We're gonna get some actual college baseball experts who know what they're talking about to to come mix it up with us at least for the for the month month of March because that's usually how it goes for me. Is I'm like very locked in on college baseball in March, and then MLB season starts, and I'm like, all right, thanks, thanks. <laughs> like college baseball is the side piece that just kind of like keeps you warm, and then it's like, all right, now I got to go back to my main bitch. Major always league there
3: though always there
2: always there always there steady reliable a whole thing um yeah. shout out the red raiders swept you know.
5: the zags that's right rushmore
3: for next week
1: <laughs> oh yeah. yeah what's the mount rushmore yeah. texas raiders baby texas tech baseball
3: <laughs> that's right i believe we're the top 25
1: don't sleep well, let's, give our, let's do a Mount Rushmore of Texas Tech. Who cares, <laughs> man?
4: They're hot. Yeah, who, well, we're who's close? Through. We're close. We have 10 left. Who's the Rushmore? Final, final 10. It's not Texas Tech, but <laughs> it is the Texas Rangers. Let's go. Oh, the Rangers. We have yeah. entered the final 10. Just as a quick reminder Rangers will be 10, and we'll have nine more. White Sox, Guardians in the Central, Red Sox, Yankees in the East, the A's out West, Dodgers, Giants in the NL West, your Milwaukee Brewers, and the and we're bringing back the uh, <clears throat> the Braves to do with Joey. So we have ten left. Rangers next week. Yeah, I mean, I fly my guy down here to do me sometimes. <laughs>
5: <laughs> we out.
4: Are-